0: My passage for this evening is first timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. so the first half of this passage uh, verses 1 through 7 uh, cover qualifications for elders or sometimes referred to as bishops or overseers and then the second half of the passage verses 8 through 13 cover a list of qualifications for deacons and we will certainly see some similarities between these two lists And we'll try to point those things out during our study. Uh, But before we get any further into those things, let's go ahead and just read through that passage in its entirety. And for those who may be following along, I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Paul writes to Timothy, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer or elder, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil deacons likewise must be men of dignity not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience these men must also first be tested and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach women must likewise be dignified not malicious gossips but temperate faithful in all things deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in christ jesus <clears throat> So. As we read through this passage, uh, we see many similarities between what's expected, what's required of those who aspire to be elders and those who aspire to be deacons. We see that Paul commends both of those positions in here, saying that they're, these are admirable things to be desiring for uh, someone who wants to become an elder or become a deacon. That there's uh, great benefits that come uh, with holding those roles and supporting the church in that way. Um, From what I can tell we have about eight qualifications that are specifically mentioned and shared between the two roles and then about 11 qualifications that are not specifically mentioned as being shared between the two roles of elder and deacon and of those 11 qualifications that are not specifically mentioned as being shared, nine of those are qualifications listed for an elder that aren't specifically mentioned for deacons, and then two of those um, are listed for deacons but not specifically mentioned uh, for elders. So just going through you know what that looks like. For elders, uh, Paul said that an elder must be beyond above reproach. For a deacon a deacon we read that a deacon must be beyond reproach. Uh, a elder must be the husband of one wife. Deacons husband of only one wife. Elders respectable. Deacons men of dignity. Elders not addicted to wine. Deacons, not addicted to much wine. Uh, Elders, free from the love of money. Deacons, not fond of sordid, which is dirty or filthy gain. Elders, manage his own household well. Deacons, good managers of their own households. Elders, keeps his children under control with all dignity. Deacons, good managers of their own children. Elders, not a new convert. Deacons, hold to the mystery of the faith. I believe that those, it's not exactly the same wording, but if, A man is not a new convert. This is someone who is known about the gospel and has held to it for quite a while. And for someone to have proven themselves to be one who holds to the mystery of the faith is obviously someone who has heard about it and known for it for a while, and they're continuing to hold to that path. So I think those line up quite nicely. And then going through the ones that are mentioned, but don't specifically line up between the two elders says if a man aspires to the office. We don't read that specifically of deacons. Uh, For elders, it says that elder must be temperate. They must have self-restraint and self-control, not specifically mentioned for deacons. Uh, For elders, must be prudent, so they must be understanding. They must use discretion. Uh, Also, hospitable, or a love and care for others is mentioned for elders, but not for deacons, able to teach listed for elders not for deacons and then uh, three of these i feel like really could be combined into one there's not pugnacious which is not being combative not being belligerent so you're a a kind person um then also we have gentle and peaceable so i feel like those all kind of tie together and those aren't specifically mentioned for a deacon um elder says must have a good reputation with those outside of the church And then, on the other hand, we have two that are listed for deacons, not specifically for elders. One is must not be double-tongued, which is deceitful or hypocritical. And then another is has a clear conscience. Um, So does that mean that an elder shouldn't share the same quality with a deacon, and that a deacon shouldn't share the same quality with the elder just because it's not listed specifically in that passage? Well no obviously not both the elder and the deacon are to be above reproach so for example if a person who aspired to be a deacon had obvious problems with self-restraint was combative and belligerent was rude and hateful to other people and people outside of the church then obviously that person would not be somebody we would want to appoint as a deacon and because their character traits and their actions would violate the requirement for the potential deacon to be beyond reproach. You know, that's really an umbrella requirement there that contains a, a lot underneath it, to be beyond reproach that other people can't look at uh, someone and, and think, yeah, I, I definitely know of reasons why that person shouldn't be a leader in the church. Um, so a lot falls under that. Uh, to be, So it's whether or not this person has held themselves to be a respectable, upstanding person over a significant period of time. Um, So there are many reasons we could think of someone as being a bad person. That being said, uh, one requirement listed for elders and not for deacons is being able to teach. So that's one that I think, you know, being listed for an elder and then not being listed for a deacon, where some of these other ones, you know, it still really holds for a deacon. With this one, I I can see maybe that not being a requirement for deacons because you can still be above reproach. Like if a man is not able to speak well in public or is just not uh, is geared towards teaching others, but is still a very hospitable person and they're very kind and they have a great reputation among the community and among the church and they're supportive, all those things, um, as far as I understand, a deacon doesn't necessarily have a role that is specifically tied to teaching. So that's one requirement out of this list that I feel like potentially could be left out for a deacon. Not that a deacon wouldn't work towards being able to teach and gaining more knowledge of the Bible, uh, but that's just one that kind of stands out as being a little bit different from the rest. Because to me, if someone is working towards being able to learn God's Word and working towards being able to one day hopefully be able to teach somebody, um, it's not really a character flaw. It's just, that's just kind of how it is for some people. So, uh, a man could still be considered to be without reproach, even if they're not the most expect- effective public speaker or teacher. But they can't be considered above reproach if they're constantly picking fights with other people. So likewise, it's specifically mentioned that a deacon must not be double-tongued. So a deacon must not be uh, deceitful or hypocritical. And that requirement is not listed specifically for an elder. So does that mean that James and David can be deceitful and hypocritical people, and that'll be fine? Well, of course not, because how could someone effectively lead the church if nobody in the church knows whether or not they can ever believe a single thing that they say to be true, or if they're just you know, trying to, to mislead? So obviously that, that wouldn't work out. That would render that leader ineffective, So even when some of these characteristics aren't specifically mentioned in both lists of qualifications, it doesn't mean that those characteristics don't apply to both roles, truly. So if we take this a little bit further, you know, as we mentioned in our studies leading up to appointing our elders that we have today, uh, while these lists that we use as a guide to help determine who God would view as appropriate for leading his church these are still qualities and characteristics that God really wants to see in every person. There's not a single characteristic in those lists that shouldn't be held by, you know, really a man or a woman. Some of them you kind of have to look at the flip side because, you know, husband of one wife, well, a woman can't be the husband of one wife, but if you flip that, the wife of one husband still applies. A, a woman still should be working towards being able to teach. Now, of course, that's in the appropriate capacity, not in the public setting of the church, as we understand from our studies, but still, there is a great deal of teaching that can be done by our sisters in the church in uh, private settings. So uh, really, these things apply to all of us, you know, whether we're aspiring to be elders or whether we're aspiring to be deacons or not. God doesn't want any of us to lack these qualities, and we each need to be working to develop them personally and assisting one another in securing them in each of our lives. And, you know, we all want to have those qualities, and those are things that come with work. Uh, Those are things that are respected by others. And a lot of times, these characteristics, when we're working towards really applying these to our lives and living in that way, it's not really something that's flashy, um, but it's something that's lasting. You know, when I think of the value of these qualities, I think about it over the long term. You know, for someone who's in high school, a lot of times when you're in high school, you're just trying to have fun. And a lot of times, uh, kids want to be seen as exciting or as cool or a risk taker because that's exciting. That makes people drawn to other individuals a lot of times. Uh, These aren't qualities that accomplish those goals many times. You know, if you're thinking about being sober minded and you have a lot of self-control and discretion and you're peaceable and you're gentle and just an easygoing kind of person, uh, it's not really somebody that stands out in the crowd. And when people are in high school, they want to stand out in the crowd. Uh, but the people that I respect, the mo- that I respected the most in high school when I was in high school, and people I respect still the most today, uh, were people who acted like this. There was a guy in my grade, his name was Charlie Edwards. I think his family is involved with Edwards Oil Company. But that's not what stood out to me the most about Charlie. Charlie was super kind to everybody he ever came across in school. Uh, he was a very gentle guy. He was a very smart guy, but he, was, he didn't flaunt anything. You'd never saw him you know, acting like because of his family's you know, position within this community, that he was anything more than anybody else at the school. Uh, every time he, I would see him at lunch, he would pray over his meal before he would eat. I mean, he was a rare breed in high school. And, you know, every other kid's hormones are raging and they're acting like they don't have any sense. And then here's Charlie. Charlie's respectable and everybody had tons of respect for him. And I still have respect for him today. I think a lot of him. I haven't seen him really since high school or talked to him since high school, but he still holds that place in my mind as being someone who, you know, had this discipline and this self-control and, Uh, was very impressive. So these are qualities that if we will practice them uh, consistently then it can bring us relief and it can bring us a great deal of contentment and it can wipe out a great deal of regret, potential regret for us years down the road. So one last thing that I will mention before we wrap up this short study uh, is regarding verse 11. So there it addresses women So there's a question amongst commentators regarding whether or not this is describing the wife of a deacon or whether this is describing a woman with the same or similar role as a deacon. So women certainly have lots of room to serve in the church and whether or not a woman can hold the title of a deaconess doesn't limit the good that a woman can do for her brothers and sisters in Christ and in her community. So really, I wouldn't get too hung up on that issue. Uh, What is most important, in my opinion, is... Uh, what God is saying that he wants to see in a godly woman. He says that just like with an elder and with a deacon, he wants a woman to be dignified. He wants this godly woman to not be a malicious gossip. Uh, this godly woman is to be temperate. She's to exercise self-control and discipline, you know, just like God would expect of a man. And also Paul says that this godly woman is to be faithful in all things, you know, whether that be to her husband, whether that be to her family, to God and His Word, to the church, in all things, uh, God expects this godly woman to be faithful. So, some of the men of the congregation are, you know, preparing hopefully to dig into this role of the deacon a little bit more and to study this in more depth over the coming months. And I would feel fairly confident that eventually that will result in, you know, additional study around this topic in a public setting. Uh, So, you know, there are definitely some more questions that I still have at this and I look forward to delving more into with other teachers and the elders of our congregation and Nate. Um, And that's the great thing about God's word is there's always so much more to learn and so much more to benefit from and, you know, working with one another to increase our understanding in these issues. So I hope that, you know, maybe this has at least been a little bit of a primer into this topic as it moves into the role of deacons and gives us something to think about this week, some characteristics to meditate on and you know, think about whether or not we're actively working to uh, build those qualities in our own lives.